Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio and our sponsors, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I'm Louis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. One of the most disturbing outcomes of the pandemic is that it looks like fewer students are enrolling for classes this fall at most of California's community colleges. This is not a question of learning at home versus learning in school. It's not learning at all. And these are the students who are the least likely to go to college because they are older, they're from low-income backgrounds, or they come from families without a tradition of going to college. And, you know, John, typically during a recession, community college enrollment goes up, and that's because there are fewer jobs and students wisely decide to improve their skills while the economy is recovering. But now it looks like the opposite is happening. We'll look at this issue in greater depth with Francisco Rodriguez. He's chancellor of the L.A. Community College District, one of the largest in the United States. But before we do that, let's turn to E. Toby Boyd. He's president of the California Teachers Association. CTA is apprehensive about the growing number of schools under the new state guidelines that are now permitted to open their classes for in-person instruction. Yes, by our count, about 2.5 million out of the state's 6.1 million public school students are in districts that theoretically could open within the next few weeks for in-person instruction if they meet all health guidelines and districts are able to negotiate agreements with their teachers' union for reopening. In fact, this is not a theoretical issue at all. This week, five Orange County school districts, including Irvine Unified, opened with a hybrid model, and next week five more, including Capistrano Unified, are scheduled to open as well. That's 10 out of the 29 districts in the county. Well, you know, that may be why this week CTA reiterated its worry that testing and tracing won't be in place when many schools open. CTA sent Governor Newsom a strongly worded letter calling for more state help and, of course, funding for safety measures like regular testing and tracing that it says must be in place at schools for rapid detection and quarantining. We have Toby Boyd on the line. Welcome, Toby. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Could you just fill us in? What is your primary concern? Well, the primary concern has been, will continue to be, safety for our educators, for our students, and for those communities in which they live in. Just making sure that we have the necessary precautionary measures in place, the testing and tracing, the equipment that's going to keep them safe, that's our major concern. So, you know, you're looking at ventilation, the PPE, the ability to wash hands frequently, disinfecting, those are our concerns too. Obviously, nobody wants anybody to be infected with the COVID. Correct. And of course, people have been working on this. This is not, I mean, we've had a few months now to prepare for this, but yet you still have major concerns. The reason is, is that the cost that's involved in preparing and making sure that the schools are safe. There's not procedures in place that we are aware of that's going to safeguard the testing of the students on a frequent enough basis and the employees so that you can be sure that the virus is not in the classrooms, in the school. You know, the ventilations. Our schools have not been upgraded with um, new HVAC systems. So how do we know that the ventilation is truly what's being asked and as the standard is supposed to be currently. We don't know. If there's a breakout, what happens there? Where does the reporting occur? Who gets to be told? We don't know. And those are the things that educators want to make sure they understand 
because if they're living in multi-generational households or a household that may have someone that has an immune system deficiency, they are concerned. And as you stated, no one wants to have the virus come into their homes or be infected. You wrote a letter this week to state officials. What do you want them to do? Well, I want them to help provide the necessary tools in order to make sure they can offer some type of guarantee. Naturally, it cannot be 100%, but they can get as close as possible. But the main thing is, as we always go back to, is who's going to fund it? The districts don't have the funding to do so, unless they have a huge reserve and they can spend it on the necessary equipment. The state is tapped, so we're looking at the federal government currently. And that so far hasn't materialized, so that's where our concerns are. Talking with E. Toby Boyd, president of the California Teachers Association. So I just wanted to ask you then, I mean, what is the CTA's position right now? Should instruction across the board be offered via distance learning? Or is this something that will happen on a case-by-case basis, or let's say a district-by-district basis? The position of CTA is still, schools should not open unless they are safe. If a district has proven that the facilities in which our educators and students are going back into are safe, then we have no problems with that. It's when we don't know. Distance learning right now is the best method for our students until we can guarantee their safety and my members' safety too. One of the most challenging aspects of this virus is that you can be asymptomatic. You can be carrying this and not know that you have it. Los Angeles Unified, largest district in the state, has this incredibly ambitious plan now to test every student. But not every school district has the resources like L.A. to do that. That's the concern. L.A. Unified has other sources of financing that really ambitious goal. They are really trying. And they have a plan. Like you stated, they want to test, if I'm not mistaken, students every two weeks. And... The teachers the same way every two weeks, and they're going to have to be fast enough turnaround testing so that they can have the results in a manner that's going to be truly beneficial. So if the districts are going to provide the testing, and it's not just for the districts, it should be statewide that we should have test results back in a rapid fashion. We were talking a little bit earlier about the fact that distance learning and what we're going through has really shown parents how important teachers are and their role in their kids' lives. At the same time, there are schools now, some schools that are bringing in small groups with adults, not teachers, who are working with small groups in school with their kids watching distance learning. So what do you tell parents who are looking at that and say, well, those are adults, why aren't teachers back? And I'm getting frustrated that we're not back in school. Yes, we want to be back in the school with our students. But I would be heartbroken if I had a student come into my classroom and I have 15 to 20 students in there and they are asymptomatic and they have the virus and they take it home to someone in their family who eventually gets sick or dies. That is a horrible situation to have place on a child. But I personally don't feel that anyone can take that place of that educator in front of the class for their children. And they should make sure that the district is doing all they can in order to provide those safe spaces and making sure that the environment in which they're in is safe. 
We've been speaking with E. Toby Boyd, president of the California Teachers Association with its 310,000 members. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. You know, Lewis, it's not exactly clear what CTA wants Governor Newsom to do. He set up the rules for the return to school, and he's left it up to districts to work with their county health departments. That's acknowledging there will be variations in conditions and in the decisions on a timetable for a reopening. Yes, but at the same time, districts will have a hard time requiring teachers to go back to school, especially in the face of more and more reports that are coming out indicating that as many as half of teachers and other school employees have pre-existing health conditions that make them especially vulnerable to catching the virus. And some parents will have the same reservations and want to keep their kids at home, even if they're not happy at all with distance learning so far. Well, meanwhile, hundreds of private schools are getting county waivers to open. Clearly, this is an issue that will be coming to a head in coming weeks and Certainly, all eyes will be on Orange County to see how those districts are faring. Let's turn now to community colleges, which serve over 2 million students and are incredibly important to California's future. As mentioned, fall student headcount is down, and we have with us Francisco Rodriguez of the LA Community College District to tell us why this should concern all of us. Welcome, Chancellor Rodriguez. Thank you so much, Lewis. Happy to join you this afternoon. Well, I know you and so many other colleges are going through tough times, the state of California going through tough times, but enrollments are down this semester. What is the situation at the LA Community Colleges? Well, Lewis, indeed, enrollments are down, and they're down nationwide. They're down in California, and they're certainly down here at the Los Angeles Community College District. And as we look at our enrollments, and we began Four weeks ago, with our instruction, we're gravely concerned uh, that at a time that students could benefit from a higher education, that indeed they're not attending at the highest rates as we would expect. We were prepared for a very robust fall semester. Our last year, we grew just under 1% for our overall enrollments and by 10% this summer. So when this fall arrived and students were not showing up, indeed, it was a cause for concern. So give us some idea of what kinds of declines you're seeing. I imagine there's a big range amongst these nine different colleges. Yes, uh, we have nine separately accredited colleges that span over 900 square miles in the county of Los Angeles. You could imagine it's a wide berth, if you will, of communities uh, that we serve. And so we're overall, as all nine colleges, as of this morning, as I was looking at our headcount, uh, we are able to hang on to about 91 percent of our enrollments, which means that we're 9% down overall as a district. However, there is some cause for concern that at two of our particular colleges, at LA Southwest College and at LA Trade Technical College, the drop in headcount is much more precipitous. At Southwest College, we're down almost 20%, and at LA Trade, about 16%. So we're very concerned that our colleges that serve the students who are the most lowest income are indeed not attending at higher levels. There's a lot happening in student lives. Have you been able to determine the factors that are leading to decisions to discontinue their education? We have, and we've been at this subject for quite some time now. And what we're seeing is, first and foremost, that many of the students who are served by LA Southwest College and LA Trade Tech and all of our nine colleges in general, 
many of them do not have access to the technology or technology tools that are in front of them. So we have determined that there are about 30,000 students that do not have reliable internet access or access to technology tools. So as a response to that, our foundations at our colleges and at our district have purchased about 15,000 computers that we have distributed uh, to our students. And there are another 15 or so thousand that are on the way uh, to them. So we're trying to mitigate the gap. So one reason, John, is lack of internet access and stable connectivity. Another reason that students have mentioned is that they don't have a quiet place to study with multi-generational families that are working with them. Other reasons that as courses that are offered at places like LA Trade Technical College are very hands-on, require face-to-face. So we've had to reduce sections and there are reduced enrollments in those areas don't don't easily translate to an online education. And frankly, there are some students that don't like the online environment, prefer a face-to-face environment, particularly for first-generation students, students that are not accustomed to the college or higher education environment. And clearly, some some folks are stopping off the enrollment train, if you will, for the moment. And uh, we are now planning for more courses in the second nine weeks. We are have an invigorated dual enrollment program that we have with our local high schools and also looking to serve adult learners in a much more vigorous way. We do know that many adult learners who have been ravaged by the COVID environment uh, with losses in employment in the hotel industry, service industries, and other restaurant industries, if you will. Uh, we know that there are many folks out there that could benefit from having some training in education. So at the time that education is indeed in training and upskilling is needed the most, we've seen some lapse in enrollments, and that's very concerning. But those concerns have led to action on our part. One of the concerns I've heard raised is that many of your students are older students, And so there's concerns that the older you get, the less likely it is that you will do this, that you will go to college. Is that a concern that these students might not come back? It is, uh, Louis. It's a a concern. And we know that when students stop off at whatever age and stop out or drop out, their likelihood of returning and completing goes down dramatically. So we're trying to hold on to as many students as we can through outreach, through personal calls, uh, through social media and other kinds of very deliberate campaigns where these students can feel that there's a personal touch in a digital environment. I'm inferring that you expect this to be a temporary lapse and you expect more students to come back in the second quarter? Yes, Uh, John, we're bolstering our second eight weeks like we've never done before with more courses, more opportunities, more supports than we've ever had. We do believe that people are settling into this environment and will think that, well, maybe it is time to maintain a continuity with our outreach, with our support, with our messaging, that, you know, education is the vehicle to a better life. It is the vehicle out of poverty. And I'm concerned that there are other for-profit agencies that will prey on these types of students for very expensive environments where students feel that they're going to get an immediate benefit. Well, I'd like to counter that narrative by saying that your local community colleges represent the best investment in public higher education. We're a bunch that remains hopeful that students, families, and communities will return because we know that education is the best tool for social and economic mobility. We're talking with Chancellor Francisco Rodriguez, Chancellor of the Los Angeles Community College District. Are you able to provide 
a distance learning at a level that can really hold these students and motivate them and keep them going? Yeah, yes, we can. Throughout the summer, we have trained thousands of faculty into the online platform through professional development. And this fall, are able to engage in a way with our students that is much improved uh, from the spring. And we're continuing to refine that as we move forward. You know, so much attention gets placed on University of California and CSU. I think more attention has been placed on community colleges, but not certainly not as much as the other systems. Aren't these precisely the students that the system is designed to attract? This is supposed to be the gateway to reach students who might not normally have gone to college. And so that the decline at this level is especially disturbing. Yes, it is. I like to describe ourselves as the 21st century version of Ellis Island. We accept everyone who descends upon our academic shores, and we do so without exception and without apology. So when those students, our students, are not served or decide not to attend or for the reasons of COVID cannot attend, and there are very valid reasons, um, that indeed jeopardizes the fulfillment of our mission and the opportunity for us to fulfill this promise that every person, irrespective of zip code, irrespective of station of life, of skin color, native language, can receive a high quality higher education. And that's what the California Master Plan was built on. And that's what we're all, all 116 colleges that we have are absolutely committed to. So it is concerning that at this moment that COVID has caused a what I believe a temporary decline in enrollment, but it is more concerning that the students who are the most vulnerable, those who could most benefit from higher education are the ones least attending. And that is something that we must get after as a system, uh, our nine colleges and everyone else in the state of California who works for the community colleges is concerned about that. And we're doing everything we can at the moment to ensure that the students have a safe harbor at each of our colleges and that they're well served once they do arrive. Well, we've been talking with Francisco Rodriguez, Chancellor of the Los Angeles Community College District. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, and thanks for joining us today, Chancellor Rodriguez. Yes, thank you very much, Lewis. Good to be on with you. John, we can't end this podcast without mentioning the appointment this week of Joe Castro. He's president of Fresno State University, at least now. In January, he'll take over the chancellorship of the entire 23-campus system. He'll be taking over from Tim White, who has steered CSU through some really difficult times. And for the first time, all the heads of the three systems of public education come from diverse racial and ethnic backgrounds. UC's new president, Michael Drake, is African-American. And of course, Ilo Ortiz Oakley is Latino. He's been head of the community college system for several years. The appointment comes at a really opportune time, Lewis, because their pressures are mounting on all institutions to be more responsive to the needs of students from historically disadvantaged communities. They comprise the majority of students in California's public universities. And let's not forget Tony Thurmond. is the superintendent of public instruction of the K-12 schools, the first black superintendent in almost 30 years. And of course, one question is whether having diversity in leadership will translate into new or at least more assertive strategies to improve outcomes for black and Latino students. And we'll see those stubborn achievement gaps narrow more rapidly than they have been in recent years. And that wraps it up for this week's podcast. 
Our producer is Kobe MacDonald. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra and Ed Source's own Justin Allen. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Be safe. Stay well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you.